Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR. It's Bullseye. My guest is Edie Falco. Edie is a brilliant actor. She graduated from SUNY Purchase's acting school alongside Ving Rhames and Stanley Tucci in the 1980s. And at first, work was steady but slow. She had bit parts in movies here and there, recurring roles on Oz, Homicide, Law and Order. It was over a decade into her acting career before she got her breakout role, The Sopranos, HBO's classic mob drama. Edie played Carmela, Tony Soprano's wife. She was brilliant on the show, loving, fierce, independent, tragic. She subverted the mob wife archetypes too. Above anything else, Carmela wanted a normal life. She wanted her kids to go to a good school. She wanted her husband to show up for dinner. Less Hell's Kitchen, more Essex County, New Jersey. When we chatted back in 2018, we talked about Edie's film Outside In. Edie plays Carol, a high school English teacher. She's married and she has a daughter. In the film, Carol becomes pen pals with a former student named Chris, who's in jail on a 20-year sentence. Chris is played by Jay Duplass. The two become close and they start confiding in each other. After he gets out, things get complicated. Chris finds her outside a restaurant, they hug, and he gives her a portrait he made of her while he was in prison. In this scene, Carol goes over the encounter with a colleague in the teacher's lounge. Look at you. You're looking a little windblown. What are you talking about? What was that devious little smile? What devious little smile? I just, uh, you know, I had, a, I had a nice weekend is all. Something is happening with you, and I don't know what it is, and I need to Carol. Well, that's it's just, um, I think Chris has, like, a little crush on me. Oh, my God, that's hot. <laughs> no, but wait, I'm, I'm worried that it's going to affect his re-entry. You know? No pun intended. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So? What? How do you feel about him? I, you know, it's Chris. I, you know, he's great, but uh, he was my student. Like, uh, I mean, well, of course I'm fond of him. I mean, t- 20 years, you can't help but get close, you know. But I don't know. It's uh, Anyway, I'm married. Edie Falco, welcome to Bullseye. I'm so happy to have you on the show. I'm happy to be here. Are you at a point in your career where you're um, considering roles other than really interesting mom? Uh, where I'm considering roles other, other than, than really interesting mom, like 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 a like a somebody that's typing something into a console, like a computer console or something, right? I feel like you're America's greatest, uh, very complicated mom. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I do the stuff that comes across my desk. I mean, if I had a desk. Um, So these are the things that are written about women of a certain age. And it, uh, you know, it's nice when there are other characteristics involved as well, but it isn't always the case, I have to tell you. Uh, This movie is about a woman who is in middle-aged with a teenage kid. And I think she realizes that she has not made a lot of choices for herself. Mm-hmm. Um, that she's had extraordinarily narrow horizons. Mm-hmm. 
and also maybe that she's kind of lonely. Mm-hmm. You know, you've you've had an extraordinarily successful career that, in some ways, kind of kicked off as you were just about to enter middle age when you were already in your thirties. Mm-hmm. But I, I wonder how uh, you feel about being in that time in your life. Hmm. I don't know. You know, it's so funny. I've had so many people ask me about um, uh, being of a certain age. And it's funny. It's only when people say that that I remember that I am of this certain age. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, uh, I was always sort of an awkward kid. And I just feel in a lot of ways that I finally hit my stride. Like, uh, the reality is it has gotten – it. In every single way, my life has gotten better by the decade, you know? The experience of being a human, a woman, an actress has gotten richer and fuller as I've gotten older. Um, And older in my definition of that word, which just means, you know, I have more years behind me than I used to. But uh, so I don't know. I'm just – I'm thrilled. (laughs) I don't know. I love it. I think um, my opportunities are far greater. I'm also in an industry that is also coming into its own uh, insofar as roles for women and the kinds of characters that uh, people like to watch. I don't know. The timing has all been perfect um, for my taste. Did you think that you were going to have a career when you were, you know, in your late 20s and you were working as an actress very intermittently or did you go to bed at night a lot thinking I might have to think of another plan for my life? My mom was an actress when I was little. She did community theater and I, that's how this whole thing started for me is I used to go with her and watch every rehearsal, every performance. I was completely caught up in the excitement of this weird thing she did in the evenings and on the weekends. But she had a real job, you know, during the day. And at a certain point when I realized how much I loved it, I assumed that that's what I would do. I'd get a job, and in the evenings on the weekends, I would do those plays that I love. So I don't think um, – I, I don't think I, – I, I know, actually. I never imagined turning away from it. I mean, I kind of fantasized about the idea of not having this other job that I had to go to. So if I had gone out to a cast party or something, I could sleep in the next morning. But the idea that I actually make not just money, but I make a comfortable living doing this thing that I love to do is still, to this day, at this point in my career, uh, preposterous to me. So um, no, I, I was never, it was never anything I considered not doing. I didn't know I would do it on the scale that I get to do it. So there's a lot of gratitude wandering around my life. And it serves me well. You also, though, went to a really serious and slightly scary acting school at SUNY yeah. Purchase. Mm-hmm. Everyone is super serious. And also, it's one of those programs where people get dumped out of it. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> um, so you must have... I, in other words, I, I don't think that you... I don't think that anyone would go through that in order to do community theater on the weekends. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I imagine said, was, you must have been pretty serious. Well, there was never a plan. I had gotten into, I'd gone to purchase first as a liberal arts student. 
And when I got there, one of my very good friends from high school was also there, and he had gotten into the acting program. So while I was doing my liberal arts stuff, I saw him with the actors, and the, the longing was, was almost unbearable. As it would happen, I got very sick very early into my um, freshman year. I got mono and hepatitis at the same time. They sent me home. And as I recovered, I decided I was going to go back to that same school and audition. If my friend got in, I was going to audition for the, the, the theater department, which I did and which I, I got in. And throughout my time at Purchase, I was kind of made to feel that I didn't really have a place there. You know, I didn't quite fit in as I had hoped. A lot of the other kids in the, school, in the program had been the leads in their school play or they had been given lots of feedback throughout the years that they were talented and they kind of had an idea of their career, what it was going to be. And I was just sort of lost and because uh, I didn't know how to do what I was doing. I didn't know how to talk about what I enjoyed doing. Anyway, I, I, so the whole time I was at Purchase, I was like, well, I get to do plays and I get to do them in these great theaters. But clearly these people don't seem to think that I will work once I leave here. And so, um, you know, I was always on that same sort of, it doesn't matter, I'll do a play, I'll do plays, I'll continue to do plays in little walk-up, you know, loft spaces in the 20s in Manhattan. And that's, and I was perfectly fine with that. I'm Jesse Thorne. You're listening to Bullseye. My guest is Edie Falco. What was it like when you graduated and um, I presume, did, did you move to Manhattan right after graduation? I did. You know, we had these league auditions. I don't know if you know what they are. It's, uh, it's I, I, don't, I won't bore you with the details, but there's a big audition at the end of the four years in front of an audience of casting people and producers. That was like the carrot they held at the end of the stick and to do these, all the hard work of are, these four years. Are these like film and TV casting producers, like yep. regional theater that, summer stock producers? No, just, no, like, th- you know, across the board, like, you know, legitimate theater people, film people, everybody. Um, there were at the time 11 schools that qualified. There was like Juilliard, Yale... North Carolina School for the Arts, blah, 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 and Purchase was in there. So we would all get, I don't know, an allotted period of time to show our graduating students. And from that, if you were lucky, someone would call you into their office to meet with them. So um, out of those league auditions, I ended up, uh, I got an agent and I got my first job. And the day after I graduated, let's just say like June 16th or whatever it was, June 17th, I had to be on the set. So I sort of thought, you know, that I'd gotten the last laugh, you know, <laughs> like uh, like it's going to be smooth sailing. I don't know what anybody's talking about, you know, waiting tables and all that stuff. Anyway, so I did this movie and I didn't work for five years after that. Um, it it uh, was as hard as they said it would be. It was a lot of hours of wondering, you know, how I was going to make rent and having to show up for, um, you know, restaurant shifts. And, you know, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough go of it, for sure. Did you get dropped by your agent? Well, I hadn't heard from him in so long. At some point, I called him to see what was going on. And they said, oh, we're so glad that you called. He went into real estate. <laughs> And if you want to come pick up your headshots, we have them here at the front desk. And that is no joke. Or if you're interested in a condo. Yeah. (laughs) We know just the guy for you. Yeah. So that was my life. That was, yeah, that was, that was my early life in New York. How did you get the audition for The Sopranos? 
I was doing um, Oz at the time, and so I was busy. It was kind of a busy work week, and I had heard about the project. I thought it was about singers, honest to God. And so I thought, well, they probably won't call me. And then I heard it was about um, like Italian mobsters or something, and I thought, well, they, they won't call me. They called me. I read it. I thought, yes, I totally know who this woman is. They'll never cast me. You know, they'll cast one of those girls that, that like Annabella Shore or Marissa Tomei. Like they sort of had that Italian street looking kind of thing, you know, more uh, stereotypically Italian looking. And that had been my experience that casting people weren't traveling outside, much outside of what was expected. So, yeah, I went in, did the audition uh, and I left and it was fun. I went back to Oz and then I think either that night or the next day or something, they called and said I got it. Crazy, crazy, crazy times. What was it like when they called and said you got it, given that you you thought you were just kind of going in there as an exercise? Well, I was shocked. Um, I was thrilled because one of the things they told me early on was the money, which was I'm trying to think of where that would fit in these days. You know, it wasn't a ton of money, but for me it meant I could move out of my walk-up apartment, and I could pay back my student loans. And that was beyond my wildest dreams, truly, well beyond anything I could expect for myself. So, um, But, you know, Sopranos was just a pilot at that point. It was just yet another pilot that was going to be made. And then you wait around, will anything happen with it? And I'd been through that ringer a few times already. So, I mean, it was great, and I was thrilled to be able to pay off a bunch of things. But we shot the pilot. It was really fun. And then David Chase said, well, this has been really great, but no one's ever going to watch this, so I wish you guys the best or whatever. And we all <laughs> went our separate ways. So, you know, this was before Sopranos uh, became what it ended up becoming. You certainly can never know when you walk into those things. More Bullseye after a quick break. When we come back, she'll tell me about her home run appearance on 30 Rock and why she doesn't know if she can do comedy ever again. It's Bullseye for MaximumFun.org and NPR. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Babbel. Have you always wanted to speak a new language? Whether it's for travel, work, or brain training, Babbel's 10 to 15 minute lessons will get you speaking confidently in your new language. Choose from Spanish, French, and more. You'll learn through real life dialogues, speech recognition, and interactive trainers. And Babbel's spaced repetition method actually makes you remember what you've learned. Download the app or go to Babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L dot com to try Babbel for free. No matter what you've got planned, you need a song of the summer. This week on NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour, we are rounding up experts from NPR Music. We will play a ton of songs to lift your spirits, and you might even find your next favorite artist. That's NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour. Listen and subscribe now. I listen to reading glasses because Bria and Mallory have great tips. If you're a comics reader and you want to use a library-connected app, you can try out Hoopla. I listen for the author interviews. I'm mad at myself that I waited as long as I did to start reading Joan Didion. They give me reading advice I didn't even know I needed. If you go in person to an event and go up to an author or a filmmaker or anybody and tell them what they you don't like about their work, you're a trash baby. I, look, I understand you didn't like Heroes Season 3. That's fine. I, like, I don't... <laughs> actually need to know that information. I'm Brea Grant. And I'm Mallory O'Mara. We're Reading Glasses and we solve all your bookish problems every Thursday on Maximum Fun. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. Here with me now, the actress Edie Falco. Along with Jay Duplass, she stars in the film Outside In, 
which you can stream now. Did you have, right from the start, the kind of um, physical armor that your character Carmelo wore on the show, the shoes and the nails and the hair? Oh, God, no. Not at all. And that's one of the things I loved is it was so far from myself. And in the beginning, I think when I auditioned for it, I had a tan because it was summer. So they were like, we love that. Let's keep the tan. And I thought, oh, for God's sake, how do you keep a tan? So I went to like tanning salons for a while. And then I started getting that orange crap and, and, and rubbing it on my body, from, you know, as well as the hair, the nails, the makeup, the, you know, jewelry, all of it. It got to be too much, so I slowly just started making her less tan, and nobody ever said anything. But um, <laughs> also, you never know that the damn thing's going to go for 10 years. So what was fun in the beginning, gluing fingernails on every day, became like, holy crap, you know, really? Um, but the whole thing became so second nature that I could do it in my sleep. So Did you, um, take, did you take them off at the end of every day? Yeah, well, at first I didn't. Um, I had them, whatever you call that, permanently put on glued. And uh, I had a little cabin upstate that I went to with some friends. And I was outside chopping wood with these friggin' phenomenally long, because that's the person I am. You know, I'm in my jeans and my T-shirt and a baseball cap and these nails. So anyway, we decided to glue them on every day. I glue them on and I'd snap them off every day. And it was, you know, it was a chore. But uh, I wouldn't change five minutes of it. Was there a point where you realized, oh, this isn't just a, this isn't, just the best job I've ever had. This is changing the face of cultural history. You know, no. And I still struggle with that now, you know. Um, uh, I've never able to stand on the outside and and see what this means to the rest of the world. It was never an issue before, but I've mentioned that uh, one of my good friends is Aida Totoro, who played Janice on the show, and she and I both decided to say, you know, so now that it's, we're 20 years away from the uh, pilot, I guess, I want to know what everybody's been talking about, you know? So we sat down to watch it. We were going to try to watch it from beginning to end, each thing. And um, we didn't get very far. We got four episodes into the first season, and we were like, I, I, we couldn't do it. It was just too much. It was too emotionally fraught, you know? We were all so young, and, and uh, we remember how nervous we were in the beginning. Do we know what we're doing? And... Anyway, so so I, I I'm not very good at knowing the perspective that other people might have on that show or of anything that I've been involved in. I'm too close to it. Still, let's hear a scene from The Sopranos with my guest Edie Falco, who played Carmela Soprano, who was the the wife of of James Gandolfini's Tony Soprano, and. Um, there's a clip where she is confronting Tony about the affairs that he's been having, but she's also revealing that she has been having an emotional affair with someone who works for Tony. Can I tell you something, Tony? Don't pretend like I got a choice. The last year, I have been dreaming and fantasizing and in love with Furio. <laughs> Every morning when he'd come to pick you up, I would look forward to it all night long in bed next to you. Those nights when you were actually in the bed. And he would ring the doorbell. I felt like my heart would come out of my chest. He would smile and we'd talk. And then you would come down the stairs. And I felt probably like someone who was terminally ill and somehow they managed to forget it for a minute and then it all comes back. 
He talked to you all. Poor you. He made me feel like I mattered. That's him punching a hole through the wall. I remember. <laughs> that scared me a little. You mean to hear it now or at the time? No, well, you know what? It is surprisingly difficult to hear Jim's voice. I was very surprised. Um, no, when we rehearsed it, he didn't punch a hole in the wall. But the cameras rolled and Jimmy did other things, and I loved that. One of the many things I loved about working with him. I mean, I can imagine that being scary, not least because, you know, he has a, a kind of beautiful, kind vibe that comes through in his body but his body is also like he's just like a big dude Mm -hmm. and so to see him be violent is terrifying for that reason that you realize that you have been you know you're enthralled to you know the twinkle in his eyes Mm -hmm. and he's punching all through the wall yes he was a volatile individual not Personally, not certainly not towards me. I mean, um, but my reaction, I recall, was really more as Carmela than as Edie. Like, I don't think I ever really feared for my safety. But I don't know. I think, that, you know, it's such a long time ago. And I, the truth is, I don't remember a single one of those lines. I thought, oh, my God, what the hell is this? Um, but I do remember him punching that wall and thinking she wanted him to get that angry. You know, she that's what she was hoping for. She wanted to goad him. And, uh, you know, she knew that she could still move him in that way. So, yeah, my, my reactions to Jim were all um, as Carmela. As I have said in previous interviews, like we didn't have much of a personal relationship, he and I. It was uh, just Tony and Carmela, really. Um, but that was a pretty intense one. Well, especially for 10 years. Yep. Yeah. You're listening to Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. I'm talking with the actress Edie Falco. I thought you were so wonderful on 30 Rock, which is one of my favorite television shows of all time. Hmm. And Thank I have you. to say, I have to say that a lot of brilliant actors and actresses appeared on 30 Rock in guest roles. And um not all of them were wonderful on the show. <laughs> um you know, some people were were hard pressed uh, to keep up, mm-hmm. and you were you were you so elegant and hilarious in your role as a, a liberal congresswoman who has a romance with Alec Baldwin's uh, conservative TV executive character Jack Donaghy. Right, right. And it made me think, gosh, if anybody could ever be in like a. Um, a new Larry Sanders show, which is basically my holy grail of television programs. All oh. I ever want is for people to make, not the show business part. I mean, I'm fine with the show business part, but like right. uh, just a, a a show that truly is a comedy, but is completely driven by uh, feelings, uh-huh. like real human feelings. Yes. Um, it would be you. And I wonder if, oh, is, is Nurse Jackie, as which is a show that sort of presented itself like it might be like an outrageous comedy, but became a drama with funny moments. Yeah. Uh, is that as close to a straight comedy as we're going to get out of Edie Falco? Uh, gosh, you know, I, I, nev- I have no idea. I have no idea. I, uh, you know, I, I'm at the point now where I get sent stuff and I read it. And, uh, you know, I have some sort of 
kinesthetic reaction to it, that, and within that, I make a decision about whether or not to do it. So, I mean, it's anybody's guess as to what comes next and what comes after that. Or, But um, I will tell you how nice it is to have you say that about the 30 Rock thing, because to this day, it is one of those things I, I sort of tiptoed away from, like, all right, you wanted to do it, and you did it. Just go home, <laughs> go back to the stuff you do well, and leave it alone. I felt so out of my element. It was so clear that this was a whole set of muscles I either was not born with or they were dormant. You know, I watched Alec and I thought, holy crap, this is really, you know, it's like being in the circus or something. I just didn't know what the heck was going on. Um, Look, I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to be a jerk or anything to Alec Baldwin, but you're funnier than Alec Baldwin. Oh, come on. Yeah, for sure. No doubt about it. All right, I'll take it. No, um, I, you know, I, I didn't feel like it at the time, I have to say. I was thrilled to have been asked to do it. But these guys, you know, I, were really, um, you know, I, really, I was terribly out of my element. Edie Falco, thank you so much for taking all this time to talk to me. I, I, I sure appreciate it. It was really oh, nice Oh, it was a pleasure, you. for sure. Edie Falco. Outside In is available to rent or buy on pretty much every platform. Make sure to check it out. And also, if you haven't seen her on 30 Rock, it really is. I mean, that was a show with a lot of celebrity guest stars, and I think she might have been the best. Give it a look. You'll see what I mean. We've come to the end of another episode of Bullseye. Our show is recorded at MaximumFun.org World Headquarters, overlooking MacArthur Park in beautiful Los Angeles, California, where this week our producer, Ragu, noticed that the great city of Los Angeles laid down a new 20-foot patch of grass, which is nice. Uh, There are some parts of the park that have nice fresh grass and some where there is none grass. So 20 feet of grass, that's progress. The show is produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our producer is Kevin Ferguson. He's away taking care of a new baby. Ragu Manavalan stepped in for him this week. Jesus Ambrosio is our associate producer over here, showing Ragu how to work the mixing board, I think. Uh, We get help sometimes from Casey O'Brien. Our production fellow is Jordan Cowling. She's killing it on Twitter lately. You can follow her on Twitter, at Cinnamon Lafemme, if you make a habit of following the employees of your favorite public radio programs on Twitter. I recommend that one. Our interstitial music is by DJW, our friend Dan Wally. Our thanks to him. Our theme song is Huddle Formation by the Go Team. Thanks to them and their label Memphis Industries, as always. And before you go, there are decades of this program available to you to listen to. All of those interviews are at MaximumFun.org. The past few years' worth are on YouTube. Just search for Bullseye with Jesse Thorne on YouTube. Uh, we're also on Twitter and Facebook, facebook.com slash bullseye with Jesse Thorne. And Twitter, we are at bullseye. And those are all great places to listen to our program. Or you can just listen in your favorite podcast app. And I guess that's about it. Just remember, all great radio hosts have a signature sign-off. Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR.